Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm DM Neil, a.k.a. Joke Maniac. And we are super excited about the episode that we have for you today. We have Adam Lee, the lead story creator on the book that is coming out from Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons, this week, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Super excited to have him here. And this episode, we're going to be talking about something that is is part of that adventure, but can be part of any adventure and that's making packs with devils. Our discussion is really great. We have some really great inspiration for you coming up up ahead, so get ready for that goodness. And if you're a gold or higher patron dragon on our Patreon, you can go and check out and download the contract for when a player makes a death save that I've made. Um, And hopefully you can put that in your game and tell me how terrible it went uh, for your player, because I'm really (laughs) excited. And yeah, terrible meaning amazing, I'm sure. Yes. Also, if you're a silver dragon up, go over to Patreon because there's a new episode of Storytime for you available this week. But Neil, before we move into the current topic of discussion, which is the art of the pact making packs with devils, we have some five-star reviews to give shout-outs to. We do, and the first one comes from Paravir, and they titled it Wonderful Resource, Five Stars took me way too long to get this review in since I don't use iTunes. This podcast (laughs) is great for everyone, but especially new DMs. I have so many ideas from this podcast that I am struggling to find when and where to use them. (laughs) That is the problem we hope we create for everyone that listens. 100%. Yes. That is the problem that we create for ourselves with this podcast. This podcast has given me the courage and confidence to DM. The hosts are wonderful and knowledgeable. Thank you, Timid DM Jin. So thank you timid dm jen for that awesome review i think that you are our listeners you're going to be getting to know timid dm jen a little bit more in the future so just keep your ears peeled for that our next one comes from nucling nose and is entitled i'm new to dming five stars i'm new to dming and i'm starting my first campaign soon I've been playing Pathfinder for years now, and I've been doing some research listening to you guys talk about Minotaurs, Mind Flayers, Halflings, and Moving Labyrinths, and more. And I'm really excited to use your suggestions in my game. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Nucling Nose, and you keep up the great work as a DM as well. Super excited that we're able to help you with ideas for your homebrew game. But Mitch, what time is it? It is time now to head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So today for the meat, we have sacrificed some soul coins for this amazing guest that we've brought on, and it is Adam Lee, story guy for Dungeons and Dragons and former world builder of Magic the Gathering. Adam, thanks for coming on. We're super excited to have you on the show. Uh, For any listeners who might not be familiar with you, uh, Adam, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so um, right now I'm working as a story designer for Dungeons & Dragons. Um, 
So that entails um, helping the team with uh, ideas for storylines, for adventures, coming up with characters, um, building worlds, and then inventing, you know, traps and, you know, fun encounters and things like that to help out the team and Chris Perkins when he is assembling and design, actually writing these uh, dungeons and adventures. Um, I'm also helping out with like the licensing team and working with partners and, um, you know, our video game partners, um, going to them and, um, you know, helping them with their uh, story stuff um, when they're, you know, building things and ideas. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I'm doing. And then the sort of previously on magic, um, I've worked on magic. I was a freelancer in 2005 working on cold snap. That was when I first got my, uh, you know, my initial gig with them. And then, uh, when they expanded in 2010, I came in house cause I had worked on every set, uh, from cold snap up. And then when I came in house, I joined the creative team there and built worlds, helped build worlds like, uh, Innistrad and Theros and, the second Ravnica and uh, yeah, a whole host of others, new Phyrexia, all those crazy worlds. So that was, that's where I cut my teeth yeah. in the world building biz. <laughs> Can I ask what was your favorite um, magic storyline to, to work on? Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, war of the spark was a lot of fun, even though I wasn't there at the end of it. Um, I was there when we were starting to um, come up with the idea of this epic sort of, climax of all what was what we were uh, starting to set up um but the the world that i really enjoyed was um shadows over innistrad which i was the story lead on for the initial part of it and then uh once it had been written then i that's what the moment when i left to go over to D D um, and left it in the capable hands of the team and they made awesome uh, work of it but i also loved um ravnica i mean ravnica is such a great uh great setting for stories because it's it's resonant you know it, it, everybody kind of can relate to um, a city where there's all this intrigue and plotting going on and it's so there are so many all the guilds give you just something to sort of sink your teeth into as a player and uh, as a storyteller you can identify with a guild and from that point on you you it doesn't take a lot of you don't have to really push your imagination to sort of figure out how to interact in that world. You can just be like, I am gruel. I know how to be a gruel and I'm just going to smash yeah. stuff. So yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I've, I've seen the, <laughs> the fervor that people have behind like having being behind their favorite sports team applied for <laughs> yep. magic players who yeah. are all about their guild and <laughs> they've got the stickers all over their laptops and their, their card binders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's really cool to see. <laughs> I mean, I've had a lot of fun, amazing ex moments at Wizards, and but one of the best ones ever was when we announced the Ravnica 2, and just the reaction in the room was crazy. It was so <laughs> great. I mean, everybody's high-fiving, and oh, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. They don't call it fantasy football for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question is, is there anything that you're currently working on and with a lot of our guests that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. Um, so right now I'm uh, working on um, developing our IP in new directions and, um, and also taking old IP that we've got and giving it a fresh coat of paint. Um, I'm working with a, a new IP development team in-house, um, which is really exciting. Uh, we get to sort of revisit, uh, you know, every, you know, Dungeons & Dragons is what, 45 plus years old now, and I get to revisit all of it and say well this is the stuff we really love and what's this thing that wasn't getting enough love can we bring it now and make it more contemporary 
that's sort of my one of my main tasks. Um, of course, working on uh, story ideas for new adventures, um, helping um, that team out, um, Chris and and Jeremy and and the the, the role playing uh, game side of the t the project now because we've kind of split it into two separate systems where there's an IP development team and a, and a role playing game team. But the things that I'm you know been working on are the um, the Eberron setting which is coming out soon and that um, I did a lot of writing in that about the Mornlands and um, how to you know one of the things was revisiting like how do you how do you play now that the the last war is over and the devastation and every character in Eberron now has been touched by this war and so a lot of my um, job with that was like, you know, putting flavor into when you when you're building an adventure about it, how to keep how to put the flavor of the last war in there. What are some things you can inject into it that gives your character that background that makes it interesting and ties it to sort of the setting and then um, coming up with new stuff, you know, in uh, in uh, Eberron that. Uh, you know, things that people haven't seen before. And so there are some, I don't know if uh, what's been sort of leaked out yet. You know, I don't know if Jeremy's uh, <laughs> given everybody some tidbits, but um, there are some fun, fun, fun things that are, uh, that are going to be uh, revealed. And, uh, and uh, yeah. And then also working on, um, I've worked on the, the Rick and Morty. Um, Kate Welch uh, was spearheading that with Jim Zub. And uh, they developed uh, a, a mad, mad, mad dungeon. And I got to do some uh, work on that, on the, the dungeon inside that, that box. Um, and it was, uh, I worked with Ari Levich on that as well. And we just laughed so hard um, <laughs> because we kind of, it, when you work on the Rick and Morty uh, sort of IP, you are completely like unfettered as to what you can do. And uh, so that was great. And it was just uh, working within that world and doing ridiculous stuff. And uh, so we're pretty happy with the outcome. And we think everybody's just going to have a blast playing it. Man, I've just been so excited with every drop of every fifth edition book that's come out. But I, I got to say, like, we were talking a little bit about before we started recording uh, the Ravnica book, um, one of my favorite books that uh, has come out. Mm -hmm. And I love seeing something like Ravnica for Magic the Gathering. And now we have Eberron, this this older setting returning yeah. that there's a lot of excitement um, from uh, players who have played for years. Uh, and newer newer players are going to be introduced to Eberron for the first time and the magic of that. And then we've got Rick and Morty, and I just see uh, all of these, these opportunities for fans of all these different uh, IPs and uh, worlds and lore uh, – to now be introduced or brought back to D&D. And to me, that's super exciting. Yeah, the, the different settings, um, you know, every player is different, every DM's different, every, you know, we all have things that we really resonate with. We all have things like, um, you know, I really love gritty detective stuff, or I, oh, you know, I really love just high fantasy, or oh, you know, I really love sort of gothic horror and, and, and creepy stuff. So, as we're sort of selecting things to do, you know, we're, we're, we're also looking at the, the palette of storytelling and it's like, okay, so where's an area that we haven't hit yet that we need to sort of um, create an adventure for or bring back a setting that really hits that note. And so of course, you know, Eberron is, is detective noir, um, you know, kind of Casablanca kind of stuff where, 
you are dis, you're in the wreckage of this war. There's all these corporate sort of entities that are you know super wealthy, um, the dragon houses, dragon mark houses, and they're running the show. And you're fighting against them, and you're trying to discover mysteries, and you're you know you're you know there's magic and uh, intrigue. And, you know, it's kind of pulpy where you're, you know, you're on a lightning rail shooting across and it's like this Orient Express kind of vibe. So, um, you know, we're always thinking about that kind of stuff. And then, you know, with, with like something like Curse of Strahd, you, you know, you've got the gothic horror and you, you know, you, you're fighting vampires and you're doing that classic Dracula tale. So, um, so yeah, so, so new players, when they come to D&D, um, being a dungeon master is pretty intimidating. They're like, okay, what is this thing? But if they can land in a world that they they resonate with then it's much easier to say like oh i get it if this is dracula i know the dracula story i i really i love you know i've always wanted to tell a, a spooky ghost story i'm going to get curse of strahd and we give you all the little tools to play with that you know and, and you know the classic thing is that we we always say you know you can run our stories from beginning to end as they're written or you can take them and pull them apart and take the little bits out that you like and play with those yeah all right our last question, and I'm really, I'm really excited about this question because I awesome. wasn't sure which question I was going going to pick, and then Adam, I joined our video chat, and it, made, it was all made clear because <laughs> your backdrop is a image of a red dragon. But no, 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 move yeah. back. You just moved aside to show it. Now it's not a video chat, but I did take a picture because as you're sitting there, oh, the shoot, wings yeah. are literally <laughs> springing from your back. Uh, yeah. The best part, hold on, hold on. The best part is I have also already taken a picture of it because it's so perfect. <laughs> so we'll make sure when this episode drops to put out a picture of that so you see oh, what, we're, awesome. what we're that's seeing. Um, but the question that I have from you comes from one of our Patreon dragons, Jared Arteche, a good friend of the show. Uh, and he asks, if you, Adam, were a dragon, what would you hoard? Yeah. Oh, woo Wow, that is a good question. Well, <clears throat> it depends. If I was a red dragon, then I would probably hoard golden treasure and magic items, but golden treasure mostly <laughs> because it attracts so many adventurers, most of them possibly greedy adventurers that uh, are easy to manipulate and to make do, uh, I can make them do exactly what I want and go get other things for me <laughs> that I need. So it's sort of like, I imagine it being like those, um, you know, angler fish that are deep sea mm -hmm. and they have that little lure out in front and the, the fish just come to you to do that. I mean, I think a red dragon, an ancient red dragon is nice and just living a nice lazy life sitting in your, you know, maybe I'd pick a, like a volcano that sort of has a geothermal. So being a nice reptile, it keeps me sort of warm. <laughs> and so if I had to like go out and, and, beat somebody up I could because I'd still have the sort of energy to do that but and also I think gold is just probably a big pile of gold coins is nice and comfortable you could kind of wiggle around and just get that nice spot and it's just kind of chill yeah it's like memory um, foam <laughs> yeah it is it's memory foam for dragons Perfect. yeah <laughs> now if I was a black dragon yeah that's a whole different story uh, I would I'd probably be into well, things that bring people to me, like uh, I'd probably hoard like a, a an actual location. I'd probably find a, a like a holy site, and then I would go in there and make it my lair and desecrate it with my evil dragonness. 
And then when uh, paladins came to smite me down, I'd, I'd turn them all into skeletons and, <laughs> and have a little paladin skeleton army and laugh. Perfect. <laughs> well, Jared, thank you for that awesome question. And Adam, th- Thanks, yeah, Jared. thank you for that answer. Yeah. So we're going to jump into the topic at hand. And we, we titled it The Art of the Pack because this is kind of a topic where it takes some nuance and some back and forth. I mean, even written in Descent into Avernus, having skill checks related to a pact isn't necessarily the way to go. So the first thing we wanted to tackle was kind of how packs work and who makes them. Yeah. So um, packs work in a way where you're, there's an an initial approach and sometimes most of the times it's going to be from a a lesser devil because you're interacting with them. And um, I mean, the whole point of a pact, the bottom line is that a devil is trying to get control of you somehow. Their ultimate goal is to get your soul or your fealty, your eternal fealty. So they're trying to, so that's their ultimate goal to get. So they get these packs in to try to lure you in with temptations, or they um, see you in trouble and then they show up and they're in your moment of trouble and then they say, hey, look, I can bail you out of this with, but you have to do something for me in return. Now, devils are eternal beings. They don't, they don't die unless they're, you know, smited down by greater devils or, or, or paladins, and that they have to die on their own plane to die forever. If a devil dies on the material plane, they just vanish in a puff of sulfur and, and I'll see you <laughs> later. And then they reform in, in the nine hells. So, so devils aren't in any hurry to get you to sign. They will play the, the long game. And so these pacts, they will come with, with offers that are actually good um, to sucker you in. The, you're, you're looking the, for the fine print and you don't see anything that looks untoward and you, you, you sign up and you're like, okay, this sounds good. But in doing so, you're just, you're one step into their web. So, so it starts with a, an initial proposal and then it, then it, then it, once you agree to the proposal, then the, the deal is written up, the pact is written up. And in the book, we've got yes. all these fun, cool ways that packs can, can form, that contracts can be written and signed. And once you sign on the dotted line, then the contract is sealed. And it's not just a contract in the material world. It's a contract in the multiverse. There is an aspect of uh, law that is involved in this, this deal that binds you in a way, in a metaphysical way to this, to this deal, which you cannot break. Um, there are ways to get out of contracts, but it has to be agreeable on both sides and it has to be a mutual dissolvement of the contract. So, but yeah, that's how kind of pacts happen. It's usually by a circumstance that you're in, which is a tough one that the devil then takes advantage of, or you actually actively seek out a devil and say, Hey, um, I want to make a deal. Or the devil approaches you and says, Hey, you know, I've seen you, you know, maybe you want to do this. So. I love what packs do with the fact that they there it really is a good example of the difference between the chaos of a, a demon and the lawful evil side of the devils where the demons are are probably going you're going to see them and they're going to just want to destroy you but yes. the 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 devils want to destroy you but in a way that is going to benefit them and their their arch devil uh, and probably enjoy watching you fall further and further <laughs> uh, to the point where they they have your soul. That arch devil has your soul, and that's like 
their main goal, right? To to gain your soul or, if they can, more souls along the way because of whatever deal that you make with them. Yeah, totally. Like, one of the things we were thinking when we, we wrote this adventure was, you know, you're going to go down into Avernus, the first layer of the Nine Hells. And at that point, you're probably going to be around fourth level. And the question was, like, holy smokes, like, you're going to be, you know, bumping elbows with some super powerful, tough creatures down here some you know tough devils tough monsters but the thing is is that devils don't you're like you said devils don't want to destroy you they don't want to kill you they want to lure you in so you can be with really high um you know challenge rating um you know devils like an ice devil or a pit fiend and they don't just want to crush you like a demon would like if you were in the abyss done <laughs> you're in deep yeah, trouble yeah, yeah you're, you're it's <laughs> over you just you know you know you just you're you're done, but in the nine hills you can walk around and while it is scary and awful and terrible there, the monsters the devils there don't they don't want to kill you they want to lure you in, and they want to uh, you know to try to tempt you so your your soul is like is your marketing chip, and uh, you know one of the things when we're we're coming up with this is like the righteous path is the hardest path. That was the big theme of this adventure. And if you want to play it where you do absolutely no deals down in here and you're, you're, you're just going to stick to your guns, it is going to be super hard for you. The flavor of this layer of the nine hills is to corrupt you slowly. So, and can you, can you resist it? I think that's the, the coolest thing about descent into Avernus is changing kind of that mindset. I think a lot of people that have maybe played older editions or for a really long time, once you start making deals with devils, it feels like this really high level play. Like that, like that's kind of where it is yeah. in your brain. Whereas this is kind of changing enough. No, 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 no. We want to start out early level one. That's great. And we'll just kind of work through some small things. Like you only need a little bit of this and it's totally fine. And then you might need a little bit of that. And before you know it, I own your soul and I've got what I want. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is like, as you're going through here, we, we've set up a lot of different ways that you can utilize things that are in the nine hells, like that are in Avertus. And, what we wanted to do is get you to the point where you're you forget what is actually you're, you're doing. And uh, a, a a note for the DM is to be like, okay, you know, people in the nine hells there are these things called soul coins, and the soul coin is this iron, uh, you know, ingot that has a soul trapped inside of it, and you can use it as currency, and you can use it to power infernal war machines. Um, so you can get, you know, you can you can travel from here to there. But the thing is, is that never forget that there is a soul inside of there. And a DM that keeps reminding their players of like, hey, you know, your character is just doing something, you know, you're maybe if you're a, a good character, a good aligned character, um, to remind them like, you know, you, maybe you can hear the, the whimpering in the soul coin, that this trapped soul. And it kind of clues you back into like, do I want to be doing this evil act? Just the act of holding one of these is an evil act. The act of using this, like it's, it's this, this moral dilemma as you're going through this adventure of how, how can we get through this with as at least, at least tarnishment as we can um, to get to the other side, because we need to complete our greater goal, which is, you know, to save a, save a lot of people and to redeem people and to, you know, do the good thing. But, you know, it's, it's one of those questions of like, you know, the good of the one versus the good of the many and all that stuff. So, and with that soul coin and, um, the, the evil of 
passing it on and using it as payment or whatever way that you use that. You know, I think most of us who have been a DM uh, at one point or another have kind of done that with our players like, oh, like recognize (laughs) here that there is there is some difficulty in what you're doing and recognize the the evil in what you're doing. And I think at one point or another, all of us DMs have had a player be like, I don't think my character cares. So he does it anyway. (laughs) Um, Now that now that that may not have. As, as a DM, you go, okay, cool, because that may yeah. not have any sort of consequence in the moment, but it's an evil act that's building up to a consequence that eventually, even if it's like at the end of the campaign, uh, that PC will have to deal with. Even it's, yeah. if it's at death, There, this whole the whole process of packs with devils is the devil wants your soul. You bring up a good point with that, Mitch, is that the other kind of mentality behind it is, okay, well, you're not willing to give up your soul, then either fealty or basically corruption is another goal that that they'll have to make sure that you basically end up in the nine hells because you've done (laughs) all of these terrible deeds, even though you haven't explicitly given over your soul. They always have the same goal in mind. (laughs) <laughs> but with yeah. with their these lawful contract making devils, they have different means of getting there. Yeah, and I mean, as a as a DM, I you know I just keep a little tally. You know, just any time anybody does something that's just slightly, and it's it's almost like you remember the game Fable, mm, yep, where yep. or Knights of the Old Republic, like you're playing along, and and every choice you make, you just kind of like the needle goes one way or the other way. And you know, I'd be like, all right, you know. If you do five, you know, things, you're, there's going to be a, a certain kind of, um, you know, consequence. If you do 10, there's another consequence. And if you do maybe 15 or 20, then there's a real big consequence. You know, it, it could be one way to play, you know, as a DM and you're running people through this adventure. You could just kind of tally along and just find out which characters do what. And, you know, then at the end or at a certain point, there could be that consequence could come back to bite them. Man, even kind of what you're, I love what you just said, and it kind of made me think of, uh, like, you have a paladin-like character who has a truly pure heart uh, yeah. playing in the Descent uh, into Avernus adventure or a homebrew adventure, and they're given this soul coin, and they come to this point where they have to use it, and they 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 use it, they choose to use it, it's the hardest thing they've ever done. But if it is this this balance, right, of like, yeah. well, how many good deeds did you do and how many how many bad deeds did you do, perhaps at the end of their life, they they're just welcomed into whatever heaven that that world has yeah. with yeah. with no mention of it. But yeah. how does that affect that paladin or that or that hero, whatever it is that it may have no consequence as far as the divine are concerned at all, because of the balance that has been set far in their favor, yeah. but to them and themselves, it's something that they can never forget and move past a huge role-playing opportunity. I would say totally, totally like, you know, one of the things is like after this adventure is over, like it's a great thing to add to a character background, like something that they could never sort of reconcile. And then maybe a paladin is like, I, I did this act in the in the nine hells and I had to do it, 
but now I must go atone for that one thing that I did. And it could be, it could spawn a new quest for like um, a dungeon master who's, you know, working with their players and just be like, okay, you did something and now you go like, we, you know, there, you can communicate with the souls in the soul coin. And maybe you, you, you know, you find out what, who that person was. And then when you go to the back to the material plane, after you've completed this adventure, you must find the family or the descendants because the soul coins could be ancient. They could be thousands of years old. We, you know, and you've got to go find the lineage and find those people in a tone. Like it, it, it could spawn all kinds of new ideas and new quests for your, you know, your, your, your troubled paladin character. And, uh, you know, let the imagination go wild from there so yeah so with with packs i wanted to to ask you adam for a dm out there who's wanting to introduce a pact into their their game whether it's and maybe you can talk about the difference between these two whether it's they're playing into descent and avernus uh, mm-hmm. and how do you introduce a pact to a pc or group of pcs in that or whether they are playing in their own homebrew world, in their own homebrew uh, adventure, maybe they're not even uh, in the underworld of yeah. their their game. Uh, how do they? How is it that they they introduce a pact uh, yeah. to their players? How is it these these devils either come in contact with them or they come in contact with these devils? Yeah, I mean, I think as as a DM, you know, if if you're doing descent into Avertus, I think first of all is to Ask your players um, what their characters fear and find out what their characters' flaws are and weaknesses are. And once you, once you get all that information, then just kind of look at it. And then you can start to see maybe one character who is your, your weak point. And you're like, oh, I, could, I, could, I can manipulate that thing. Or you've got another character who is, you know, maybe they've, they, you know, have got a, you know, some story angle that you can use. And then as you're going through the adventure, there's an intuitive, I mean, when I'm running stuff, there, I feel like there's just in this intuitive moment where you feel like this is it. Um, this is the moment to introduce the pact. So say, for instance, your characters, um, they're in a dead end, a back alley, and they're surrounded, or they've, or they've already gone down into the nine. I mean, if they're in the nine hells already, if they're in Avernus already, then at any point, you could have an imp fly up to them and just be like, hey. I see you're, uh, you know, you're out of food and you look pretty hungry there, you know, or, hey, there's a big sandstorm coming. I'm sure it'd be nice if you had a shelter. You can, you can kind of force the issue if you want in, and to just introduce packs to your players and let them s- and see how they react to it. Or you can wait until there's that moment that comes up where your, your player's flaw, the character's flaw kind of exposes itself. And then you can introduce the pack then. Another way to introduce the pact is if a character has to make a death save. If they've been in a, in a fight and they're in Avernus and one character goes down, you can have them in that moment of unconsciousness, a vision appears to them of a devil and says, you know, if you want to make that death save, you want to try to risk it, or I can grant you instant 20 and you just pop right back up with hit points <laughs> and you're good to go. But we just have to sign this little deal here. And I think having a death save pact already um, kind of in your head is a good way um, to kind of to go that way. Be, um, when that happens, you've got a, you've got a story also like a thing for that character to do. And I would start off with like, as you're doing packs, not to go for the big money shot, like right off the bat, like it, they're not going to ask for your soul right away. They're not going to ask for your fealty right away. Maybe it's like, Hey, just go over here and 
you know, there's a, there's a, a holy symbol I need you to desecrate, or there's, um, there's a little uh, item I need you to get. Or if they're on the material plane, hey, go to this house and deliver something to this person. Have them start out with just little things to do. And so they don't feel like they're on the slippery slope to corruption. They're like, oh, I'm just doing a favor for a guy who's doing me a favor. Um, <laughs> but, <all. laughs> you know, yeah. But then when they look at it, they're like, oh my gosh, I just served the soulless infernal horde. Like, what did I do? You know? So those are like a, a few ways of like throwing it in. Now, if you're doing your homebrew game, it depends. It depends what you're running. If, if you're just, it, it, I mean, when you start to throw in like an infernal encounter with a diabolical presence, it definitely starts to take your game into a different direction. So um, if you're cool with that and you're comfortable with it, I mean, you could have sort of a, uh, a weird Lovecraftian vibe to it if, if that's your sort of homebrew campaign. Um, you could have it where your character is an investigator in, in Ravnica and uh, he's a, a Wojek from the, from the, you know, the, um, oh God, the Boros, you know, and he's, you know, he's on the, on the caper and he's the, uh, his Azorius companion is like, you know, when you catch this guy and then all of a sudden there's this devil that appears and says, you know, if you kind of fudge the evidence, I'll give you, I'll promote you in this thing, or, you know, I'll give you this, this money or I'll show you a magic item. And then you've got this dilemma, like you're the detective, you're about to find the evidence. You've got your Azorius good guys telling you good job, you know, and, but now there's this, this, this devil that's come from this other plane and it kind of befuddles like, you're like, is this guy a Rakdos? Like, but no, he's not a Rakdos. Like Rakdos don't do this. So, you know, if you're doing your thing, it's like when you throw that in there, it's, it's going to give it a different uh, shift. But if that's your intention, then great. And then it's a matter of, you know, where do you go with it from there? So, yeah, just all kinds of fun things. I love the idea of also either if you already have a warlock, being able to leverage that. But one of the ideas in the book is that a higher level devil will actually want fealty, maybe more or you know, equal to souls. And one of your players getting a level of warlock as the story is progressing. Yeah. Also, that's an amazing idea to have it set up for someone to die. Like when they die, you already know the conversation that you're willing to have and the terror on everyone's face when I 100% would say, oh, you're going to do a death save. Uh, come with me to the, the other room. We're going to have, yeah. a, yes. have a quick conversation. <laughs> and even yeah. the idea of the, the world building behind maybe there's this art, you know, in this archduke that they are the one that controls death. And so, like, they kind of have uh, the market cornered on when someone dies, they get involved. And so, like, yeah. seeding that lore into it, and oh, it's so good. Well, and then you have this scene afterwards where uh, the rest of the party rushes over to the member of the party who should be dead, right? Yeah. And they, like, he, like, pops up, and he has his face is pale, and his eyes are wide, <laughs> uh, and his companion friend... Uh, she runs over to him and she's just smiling like, oh my gosh, you're, you're still alive. How are you still alive? That ogre speared you like right <laughs> through the heart. Like this shouldn't be what a miracle. Thank the gods yeah. that you're alive. And, <laughs> yeah. and the horror in the face. And then you have that moment of does that player reveal, uh, even if you did it without, like you said, Neil, cause that's a hundred percent how I do mm -hmm. it. Come with me to the other room. 
But even if you did it at the table with the rest of the players and, you know, in a metagaming sense, they know what happened. You have that question of does this PC reveal it to them or is he ashamed? Uh, is he afraid? Uh, was that part of the deal that you you are not to reveal it? Yeah. And as a DM, you can have it be that, you know, you take your player into the other room and say, this is what the deal is. And then when you go back, your character's memory is wiped out. Ooh, oh, wow. like you just wake up and you're just like, I don't know. I just, I just feel great. But then you're like, but now we must go and do this thing. And you can also set it up where generally it's like when you're first approached by a devil to do a deal, it's a less, generally it's a lesser devil. And then, uh, if you do that deal and you and you complete it and you get your reward and the devil's like great job and you're like well thanks for all the gold or whatever then the next time you're approached by a, a little bit more powerful devil yeah and he's got a bigger deal for you and then if you do that one and you're like wow i got rewarded for that that's great then the next one is you're approached by a greater devil you're approached by like a horn devil you know or and you know one of these you know an ice devil or something and then it's like now you're going to do something really really bad and then it's like oh you know and and if you're like nope they're like okay fine that's cool you know and then they take off but the reward oh we, we could give you you know you want three levels in fighter we've got it you know you can actually get levels free levels um you want magic armor sure we got that you know you want a plus two sword here you go you know it's like breathe you know it's fire and all the cool stuff but that's the temptation so and then as a DM, if a player does these things, you can have them complete their goal. They get their reward. They've done the pack. They're like, they think they're free. They're like, ah, did a deal with the devil. I'm all cool. And then all of a sudden they wake up maybe a couple of days later and they've got these little nubs here. Yeah. They're like, what the heck's that? You know, it's like now they've got to hide it from their, their party maybe. You know, if they've got a paladin in the party and they're starting to grow horns or they, they have a little nub of Time a tail hair out. <laughs> yeah. Or they get some kind of like, yeah, they get some kind of weird markings that are like, you know, infernal runes are starting to get etched on their skin. So mm -hmm. there could be some kind of penalty that's hidden. And those you can either do just as a rule that you make up, or you could say you can do the sort of like, you know, I'm going to do my sort of intelligence check versus the devil's charisma check kind of deal. And you can have a battle that way. And then you could find out that that's in the small print, that if you do the deal, you're still going to get a mark. Or you could just say, that's just the nature of slipping into evil, is that it doesn't matter what you do. There's no way to resist it. If you do deals with devils, you're going to get marked somehow. And, uh, and that's, just, that's just part of the part of the part and parcel of slipping into corruption. <laughs> the other thing that you can do is actually have that same devil that you're interacting with be stronger as the as you progress through levels because correct me if i'm wrong someone would start out as a lesser and then basically they would level up in the nine hells so as they're doing deals with you they are getting stronger and they're bringing bigger better deals better air quotes uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah so it might look like a different <laughs> devil but it might just be that they got a promotion yep yeah that's great. That's an awesome idea. Yeah. It could totally happen that this devil is now like, hey, you are a valuable resource to me because there's nothing a devil loves more than getting a promotion because that's what it's all about. It's about getting out of the, the scummy situation of being a Lemure or an Upper Rebo or just one of these horrible, you know, lesser devils that just get beat up or we're calling them least devils now. But if you can go up to an imp and then you get up to a barb devil and you get up a little higher. Yeah, and you could just have it's like, hey, you remember me? 
I'm a different form now. And that idea of like having this devil be a constant recurring character kind of goes back to what you were saying a little while ago that like the the first thing the devil is going to do is probably not going to be uh I want your soul. Give me your soul. Yeah. Like <laughs> we we have to think of these devils as like extremely intelligent and depending on you know what kind of devil they are that intelligence is going to is going to be even higher but con mm. artists they're yeah. they're not in it for the short game they're in it for the long game uh they uh, part of the the this part of the book uh talks about how they'll try to add in fine print to the contracts so you need to be really careful about that uh you yeah. you said uh, at one point maybe the the first thing that they say is hey I'll bring you back to life all you got to do is you got to go to this temple and retrieve this it's a ruined temple nobody's even there don't worry about it you're not going to have to <laughs> you're not going to have to fight mm-hmm. off guards go there retrieve this item for me and you're like of course whatever that sounds great and then you show up and it's behind a sealed door that requires three innocent souls to be sacrificed in order to open the door and the devil just pops up right there and then like, like there's a gargoyle up top and he's just sitting on it like kicking his legs back and forth and just like oh did i fail to mention this part of it well if you back out of the contract there's some real consequences that you're gonna have to take and like they're gonna try to string yeah. you along and one of the things that you also mentioned was if you're gonna do this be ready for the campaign to go in a whole different direction but I think there's also something here that you can pretty much play the entire campaign the way that you had been planning on doing it because maybe that devil wants you to succeed in what your your party is going to do, but they want you to succeed for a different purpose. Or at the very mm. least, they want you to get to the end and at the very end when you're facing off that big bad or you're about to take that magical item – that's when the devil pops up and says, it's time. Ah, yeah. Kill your friends. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. If you don't kill your friends and take that item, I have your soul. Thank yeah. you for your soul. If you kill your <laughs> friends and take that item, you will be even more powerful than you were before. Yeah. It's also the, just made me think while you're saying that it's that you could, if you're a DM and you say in this campaign, you know, you're doing this campaign and all of a sudden this devil appears and does a deal with the character and then disappears and the campaign goes and people are like, what, what was that? Like yeah. your players are like, what was that? Then the next campaign, the devil appears again. Yeah. And it's this reoccurring character through campaigns. And then maybe you've got like, you know, I'm going to do a three month campaign, which is this story. I'm going to do another, maybe a month campaign, which is this story. And I'm going to do another two month campaign, which is this story. And then it's going to end with a big bang. And this devil character that's been appearing just maybe once or twice then it's like manifesting this later when your characters have leveled up, your players have leveled up, and then it's like, oh, that's what that sucker was doing. You know, it could be a fun way to do it. I've always been a fan of the cameos, like bringing some some NPC or some element from another campaign into uh, a campaign you're currently doing because I think that it's super exciting for players when they see that and they like as a player they're like I know who this is or I know yeah. what this is and <laughs> yeah, their totally. character might not. But think of that when it's like. Bartleby shows up again and they know the the <laughs> crap that Bartleby has done in the past and oh they're just God. like oh no Bartleby's yeah. back but but to give them that challenge to be like how does how does your how does your PC react to this cuz they know yeah. nothing about Bartleby like yeah. here's this good like challenge for you to to role play and move the meta gaming aside cuz we can all love 
the fact that we know this, but how does your character react to this? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, totally. You know, it's like when you get as a, you know, the, the things that I love as a DM are when my players either love or hate a character that I've created. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I go into voice or go into character and they're like, Oh no, you know, it's like, it's, it's Mags Wigglewort and she's back and I want to pound her. And she's such a, Please oh, tell me know. that's a real character. Yeah. Mags, I love that. Name. Mags. Yeah. She's, she's a, she's a bad one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, that one or, um, you know, one of the things when we um, came up with um, Lulu in this adventure, the little holophant that kind of, is your kind of Jiminy Cricket um, as you go into Avernus. It's like, we want that to be um, one of those characters that a DM is going to voice her in a certain way and going to play her in a certain way. And uh, you know, that's going to be the part of the joy for me is to see and hear how different DMs do Lulu and how different players just like, you know, adore her, you know, cause she is just this adorable, pure character. And, uh, so, you know, those are the, the kind of things like I think we're always trying to drop in those kinds of characters for, um, you know, DMs to run and and to kind of get their players hooked in or give the players something to, to, to sort of rally around and defend or to give the players something to just unanimously hate and want to destroy, yeah. you know, because those are the two things that, that bring your players into and care about your world mm-hmm. is when you've got a character that they want to smash or you've got a character that they wanted to, you know, protect and defend. Well, I think we'll move to the the last point because I think we've given a ton of different quest ideas and, and things like that with packs. And I think you are the perfect person to ask. What we do is we put out the idea of homework. I mean, it's the best homework you'll have, but it's things that people could go read or watch to get inspired about how to use packs. I will kick it off with the idea, go rewatch the John Wick series of movies with the idea that each of those coins is actually a soul <laughs> coin. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then that's cool. That's just first off, that makes that entire world exponentially darker than it already was. Yeah. But also a lot of great ideas of what people would use those for, because when people get down to like their last coin, there is still this that same sense of urgency that you would have yeah. when you were trying to deal with soul coins. Also, I really like the John Wick movies. So go So question, it. Neil, yeah. should I go into that with that idea? Also thinking that uh, Keanu Reeves' uh, Constantine movie was like the prequel there, and yes. he changed his name to yep. uh, protect the innocent. <laughs> <Yes>. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, where do you think he got all the coins? Yeah. I was just going to say that. Like Constantine is a great one to watch. Um, Devil's Advocate um, is another great one. Keeping Keanu in the sort of like yeah. the theme here. Um, that's a great one because I like Devil's Advocate because it starts off with like two, like <clears throat> two, you know, very, uh, you know, naive and but ambitious, um, you know, couple that, you know, they're enticed by power and money and they're taken from their sort of small town situation and whisked into this, you know, fast paced, the thing that they've always dreamed of. Um, and it was such a temptation and it, the slippery slope, like every bit, another cool one is the firm. Um, it's like a very, it's an older film and it's about a guy who's another ambitious lawyer type. He gets hired by this, this, you know, sort of kind of cryptic firm, but it's like really super powerful. But then there's all these stipulations of like, they kind of trick him into like, and then they get him and they blackmail him and now he's stuck. 
those are those are really kind of fun ways of like understanding how temptation works and how the slippery slope works and um, things that appear good aren't good you know um, that's a lot of fun things to do as a dm is to kind of how do you present something that looks like a good deal but it isn't a good deal and that's how devils work Hmm. so that could those could be fun to, to sort of study a book series that's really good is of the Johannes Cabal series where he's he basically in the very first book in the very beginning like goes down into the hell of that world and everyone's like oh here you are what do you think you're doing <laughs> I haven't read those oh man I got to write that down Yeah so those are really really good because he's basically very similar to Constantine it's almost like this complacency like I've been just kind huh? of dealing with these entities before so then he's just messing around and doing terrible things but still trying to use that leverage to accomplish good so Oh, Another book cool. series. Uh, I think what, I read this when I was a lot younger, so I don't remember it thoroughly, but it kind of got me. It was the starting point for me to be interested in this whole idea of packs with in the book series, which is the Bartimaeus trilogy by Jonathan Stroud. Um, I mm. don't believe that it's a devil. I believe they're actually they're gins. Uh, but it oh, cool. but it encompasses this whole idea that we're that we've been talking about a lot that is that we didn't even get to talk about like in the books it talks about how to summon uh devils to your side and one of the ways is knowing their true names uh, yeah. and so this book series really gets into uh the pact that is made with these with these jinn the you, and you see it from the jinn's perspective the entire way and uh the crafty mind of them uh and usually it's these really high level sorcerers who are who are calling these uh these jinn to their mm. side, but this book explores this child. And so this djinn all of a sudden appears and is expecting this old man and this little boy is in front of him oh, and how whoa. that relationship develops. And I think there's a lot of good inspiration there to be had with going this route. That's cool. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as a DM, if you're running this, you know, Descent to Avernus or if, you know, any, any other homebrew game, I think it's always just if, you're char- if your player wants a diabolical encounter make it happen and you you just just you can also make it difficult to you know like make them work for it so that when they do get it then it's like oh you know something special just happened Uh, you know as a devil you don't want to make it too easy you know you don't want to because you know you're you're trying to lure them into something like like it's kind of the bringing up sort of like the devil's advocate movie you know, when Al Pacino is, who's, you know, the devil, he comes in and he starts to lure in this, this sort of young up and coming lawyer. It's like, it's not, it's not easy, but at the same time, it's like, he makes him work for it. So he, you know, Keanu Reeves characters thinks he's like, Oh, I've, I, and I've got to impress this guy. And it's just, ah, oh, you know, but it's that suckering in to, you know, the, the final deal. Yeah. So, yeah. We have one more important question. And that question is, where can people go on the internet to find all the awesome work you're doing? Um, you could go to, um, well, Dragon Plus has always has stuff that we're, we're kind of up to. And I know Richard Witters, Ari Levitt, Sean Wood, and myself, we are kind of thinking about new things that we want to put on Dragon Plus. Um, it may not come out till sometime next year, but we want to start putting more and more kind of 
crazy idea content on there. And so that's something we got to talk with Bart who kind of runs that. Um, the website as well on the, the, the wizard's website with the Dungeons and Dragons. So just click on the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. It takes you to everything that we're kind of working on and things that are coming out and events that are happening. And then um, I'm not a massive Twitter uh, Twitterer, <laughs> but um, if you have questions or you want some ideas or you just want to know what's going on, um, I'm at Adam of Adventure. Uh, so that is my handle and, uh, people can always reach out to me there and, um, uh, where else that's a, that's pretty much, uh, all my sort of internet. Is your MySpace uh, page stuff. still uh, active? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I remember those days. MySpace. Check me yeah. out on Friendster. Yeah, I remember, yeah, the old, like, uh, what is it, Netscape Navigator? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Adam, again, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Uh, we hope to have you back sometime in the future. Um, and for our listeners, go check out Descendant to Avernus. Yeah. That's some awesome stuff. Even if you're not ready to dive into a new campaign, there's something in there that you can use in your current one, I'm sure. For sure. So we just want to thank Adam for coming on again and spending some time with us. And hopefully you can check out Twitter with the awesome backdrop of him with giant red dragon wings as he yes. talked to us. Um, it filled my heart with joy. But if you wanted to get a hold of us and tell us how you've been putting packs in your game, definitely head over and email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you see fit because you liked this episode or any of the others with Minotaurs, Mind Flayers, and moving locations, you can always give us an iTunes review, which we'll read on air. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. Of course, you're going to want to follow us there because of that image that we just talked about. Yes. You can also like our Facebook page. If you want updates about the show, those are the best places to go. And today's Patreon shout out goes to JS. Rose! And JS is a bronze dragon. So yes. thank you, JS, for your support. And thank you, all of our dragons, for all of your support. Yes, thank you so much. And especially this week, thank you, JS. The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like We're So Bad at Adventuring, Geek Wars, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. As always, we want to thank you for taking the time and listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, or taking their souls, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I'm DM Neil, good night and good luck. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch, reminding you to always keep on Dungeon Mastering. not inspiration it's not wisdom and it's bad advice try and make uh contracts with your players instead of just their characters it'll be fun goodbye